The Israelites were now living in exile in Babylon, far away from home. The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, selected a group of the most healthy, educated Israelite men to study the Babylonian language and culture for three years, then put them to work in his royal court. In this group, there were three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They served the king faithfully, and the king placed them in powerful positions. Nebuchadnezzar wanted his people to worship him, so he built a 90-foot-tall gold statue of himself and commanded everyone in Babylon to worship it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had committed themselves to only worshiping God. So when everyone else in Babylon bowed and worshiped to the statue, the three men stayed standing. Nebuchadnezzar was furious and sentenced them to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned alive. The king ordered the furnace to be turned up to seven times hotter than usual, so hot that even the guards who threw them into it were killed. Once the three men were inside, the king jumped up and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we threw in? I now see four men, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. The king ordered the men to come out. When they did, everyone was amazed. Not only were they still alive, but they were in perfect condition. Not a hair on their heads had been burned. Once again, the king was impressed and not only let the men go, but promoted them. Years later, a new king of Babylon named Darius came on the scene. A friend of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego named Daniel, who was also an Israelite, was so well liked by the new king that the other leaders in Babylon became jealous and hatched a plot to get rid of him. They tricked King Darius into signing a law that said Darius himself was a god and should be the only god anyone should worship for the next 30 days. Daniel heard about the law, but chose not to follow it. He went into an upstairs room in his home and looked out the windows facing toward Jerusalem, and he prayed to God three times a day. When the Babylonian leaders saw Daniel praying, they told King Darius, who was now forced to punish Daniel. He was arrested and thrown into a den full of lions overnight. In the morning, the den was opened, and Daniel was not only alive, there was not a scratch on him. Years later, after the Israelites had all been living in exile for 70 years, the Babylonians were overtaken by Persia, and the Israelites were allowed to return back to Jerusalem. They were going home. Last month, my family and I had the opportunity to go to Nairobi, Kenya, and while we were there, and I'll be sharing more about our trip in coming weeks, but while we were there, we got to have a little bit of fun and go on a safari. I'm not sure if any of you have ever gotten to go on a safari before or not. This was not my first safari, but it was my first safari with children, which makes it very differently. Before, I didn't think much of getting close to a lion, whereas now I realize that getting close to a lion is very dangerous when you have little children around. Even though our kids aren't so little anymore, the reality is, is there was a lot of extra pressure. We stayed at a tented camp, uh, which literally was wrapped around a watering hole. 
And the animals would come up to the watering hole, and there was just a ditch separating you from them and a hot wire within the ditch, which didn't seem like a lot of protection, but literally could get me to about the third row away from elephants, away from rhinoceroses. It was really amazing. But while we were out on the safari, we were in a vehicle, and you can kind of see in the pictures here, we were in a safari van that had a pop top on it that was just open to the outside. So literally, you're just out there uh, with the animals, and you can get so close. Immediately, we were surrounded by a herd of about 20 elephants, which was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, just seeing their power and everything else, but also a bit terrifying because elephants are big, Okay really, really big, especially when there's 20 of them surrounding you, you begin to think they're up to something, all right? Uh, we got really closest to rhinoceros as well. In fact, we even got to pet a rhinoceros, uh, which uh, I don't recommend unless it's one of those that's you know, supposed to be petted. Uh, and uh, Baraka was its name, and we got to pet Baraka, which means blessed was the name. Uh, it was a pretty cool thing. Uh, but then we finally got to see cats. We got to see lions. And we were driving out on the edge of the property uh, of the edge of this huge wildlife preserve against the fences, uh, and, and up on the side we saw two lionesses, so two female lions, which the male lions are the scary-looking ones, but the female lions are the ones that do all the work. So it's pretty much like human beings in a lot of ways. And so, so we were watching these two lions, and they were kind of sitting there, they were like bathing each other like cats do. I mean, they're just big kittens in many ways. They just happen to eat things that are my size or bigger um, and faster than me. Uh, and, and they spotted this gazelle off in the distance. And the whole time our driver's like, ooh, look at these cats. They, look how thin they are. You can see their ribs. They're very hungry. I'm like, we don't need to know that right now. <laughs> like, ignorance would be fine for us to know right now. Like, it'd be fine. And so the kids are up there looking at it. You can kind of see in some of the pictures and stuff. And we got some of these pictures on Facebook, too. But literally, at one point, the driver gets between the two lions, drives the vehicle so that we have a lion on each side of us, and the one lion is literally walking right behind our back bumper. Uh, and he is using the vehicle as a decoy so that the gazelle will not, she, I'm sorry, she was using the vehicle as a decoy so that the gazelle would not see her back here. And we're just thinking like this whole time, like, we think that's what she's doing, but what if we're the decoy? Or what if the gazelle's the decoy and we're really the lunch? Uh, and I'd love to tell you that this ended in a kill and we got to see the gazelle get eaten or something like that, but it got dark before they got the gazelle and so we had to go back in. But if we had about a half hour, my heart was just racing, being so close to these lions and having our kids around it. It was such a thrill, it was such an amazing adventure. Uh, and so when I was reading Daniel and the Lion's Den this week, I read it from a different perspective. Because I've always thought that, you know, it took such great courage for Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den, or it took such great courage for Daniel to be in the lion's den, or it took great courage for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in the fiery furnace. But the reality is, is that any idiot can get eaten by a lion. Like, the courage isn't about being in the lion's den. The courage is doing something that gets you thrown into the lion's den. The courage is what gets you thrown into the fiery furnace. And so today as we talk about courage and the idea of courage, what I want to suggest to you is that we need to have the kind of courage that gets us thrown into the fiery furnace and the lion's dens. That's the type of courage that we need to have, literally the type of courage that can get us into that kind of trouble with those who are in authority when we are in those situations. And so... The book of Daniel is written about 550 years before the time of Jesus. The Jewish people were no longer in Israel. 
The Jewish people were now living in exile there in Babylon. And at the very beginning of the book, we see that uh, the king basically was looking for the strongest, most handsome of the Jewish men. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as Daniel, were chosen. Apparently they were strong and handsome men. I don't know if they were tall, dark, and handsome or what, but they, they made the cut, all right? And we saw in the video a lot of the backstory, so I'm not going to talk to you about all the different backstory uh, because you probably know that and you just saw it on the video. But what I do want to talk to you today is about the three types of courage that we see exhibited in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as in Daniel. The first is the courage to stand. The type of courage that will get you thrown into a fiery furnace and into a lion's den is the courage, first of all, to stand. And so we see that the king makes this huge statue, and he's requiring that everyone in the nation bow down to this statue and worship it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to do so, and this gets them put in front of the king. And here's what they say to the king. They reply to the king in Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And so here we see that this image to stand, rather than to kneel to the statue, rather than to bow down to the false god that everybody else in their culture was bowing to, we see that they had the courage to stand. What happens when the widow of a white police officer who was shot and killed by a black man sits down and shares a meal with a black man who was shot several times by a white police officer and then you go ahead and throw in the room a black member of the Trump administration, a white man with socialist leadings, and a black woman whose brother was shot and killed by a police officer. That sounds like Royal Rumble and the World Wrestling Federation or something, doesn't it? What in the world would ever happen? Well, if you want to find out what happens, just go to YouTube and look up a channel that's called Breaking Bread. This was started by a pastor who wanted to see healing in our nation. And he decided that the best thing to do is to get these people from all different perspectives and experiences together in a room and to share a meal together. And the results are amazing. It's well worth the 35 minutes of time, your time it takes to watch it. You can see throughout the course of the conversation, literally walls being stood up at first, and then over the course of the conversation, as they listen to one another, those walls being broken down towards one another. But that isn't something that's as popular in our culture today. You would think that something like that would get several million views in no time. But that's not what sells the news, is it? That's not what we see getting put on all the news channels. What we'd rather see on our news channels or what sells the advertisement apparently is when people bicker with one another, when people insult one another, when we find people in our own echo chambers that say what our itching ears want to hear. But that's not how healing comes, is it? Healing comes when we have the courage to stand by opposing our culture's negativity, by opposing what our culture 
is saying to be so divided right now as opposed to coming together and respecting each other and seeing the image of God in each person. And it might not take a lot of courage to just flip on the channels, but it does take a lot of courage to walk across the street or to go to a different neighborhood or to go to a different cubicle at your office and just to sit down and say, hey, I would love to listen to your story. Because the reality is, is we're going to talk about the courage to speak here in a minute. But one of the ways that we need to stand, first of all, is to stand in humility. We need to stand and to recognize that we don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. You don't have it all figured out. And your neighbor doesn't have it all figured out. And the people on TV certainly don't have it all figured out. The way forward is to stand courageously by respecting other human beings in a culture that does not respect people with differences. Amen? And so we need the courage to stand. Well, secondly, we see that Daniel is asked to interpret a dream for the king, but it isn't a positive outcome for the king. And you can imagine that Daniel would probably be tempted to give a different answer. Just, oh, sure, king, this dream means something very positive for you. Let me tell you what it means. But listen to what Daniel tells the king, the one who was above him in authority, who could have his head chopped off in the second if he would have wanted him to. Here's what Daniel says. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass for you to, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots is that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then your prosperity will continue. Now you understand what Daniel does here is he delivers a very a message that would have been seen as negative towards the king. King, if you keep on going down this road, you're going to be separated from your kingdom. But he goes on to treat him with respect. He calls him your majesty. He says that the Lord will be kind to you. Maybe he'd be kind if you would just renounce your sins and if you would treat those who are oppressed, if you would treat them right, then things would change for you. We have to have the courage to speak. And I believe Daniel speaks with humility here, but he also speaks with boldness. So often we are deficient in one or the other, aren't we? The bold speakers often lack humility. The humble speakers often lack boldness. But what we see here in Daniel is that he had the courage to have both when he had the courage to speak. There's a new expansion team in the NHL known as the Seattle Kraken. That's Kraken with a K. If you try to Google Kraken the other way, you won't want to see the results, all right? But the Seattle Kraken, they had their first game earlier this year, and there was a person in the stands by the name of Nadia Popovici. And she's a 22-year-old Seattle resident who's originally from Canada. Next year, she's going to be going to medical school. And as she sat behind the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks bench, she noticed that one of the assistant coaches 
had a mole on his neck. And, you know, sometimes we notice things like that and we don't say anything. But she noticed that this mole was something that was, was bound to be cancerous. And so she starts beating on the glass, which at a hockey game pretty much everybody does, right? In order to try to get the attention of the assistant coach. Uh, try to get his attention. And so finally she spells out, she gets up a messaging app on her phone and types on her phone, you have a mole on the back of your neck that is bound to be cancerous. You need to have it looked at immediately. Holds it up to the glass. The guy reads it and thinks, what in the world? This is crazy. She's telling me this at a hockey game. She's trying to distract me or what, right? Well, the game ends. He doesn't think anything of it. The next day, he mentions it to the doctors. The doctors take a look at it and said, she's right. You need to go to a specialist. Went to a skincare specialist. They cut off the mole, and they basically told the guy, if you would have let this go for four or five years, it eventually would have killed you. And by speaking up, she winds up saving a guy's life. The, the, the Canucks and the Kraken got together and offered her $10,000 uh, as a reward to help her pay for her future med school. It's a really cool story. She spoke up because somebody else's life was in danger. Church, if she can speak up that way about when somebody's life is in danger, how much more should we as Christians be willing to speak up when people's lives are in danger around us? When people are going down a road that is walking away from God, how much more should we speak up boldly and compassionately at the same time and with great humility, proclaiming Christ to them and sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with them? When they're going down a road that leads to eternal separation from God, when they're going down a road that will cause them a lot of trouble in their lives, when they're going down a road that is going to be one that is going to lead their children further away from Christ, we must be willing to speak up boldly. And with great humility. And to let them know the love of Jesus Christ. To let them know the truth of the scriptures. To let them know that there is hope for them. But church, they will not know it if we do not speak. They will not know it if we choose to remain silent. And so we see the courage to stand we see the courage to speak, and now finally, in Daniel 6, we see the courage to kneel. It sounds very different than the courage to stand, but yet you will see immediately what I'm referring to. There was a decree issued by the new king. The new king was tricked into telling people, making a decree that everyone was just to pray to him and that anybody who prayed to a God that wasn't him, they would be thrown into the lion's den. This is almost like, have you seen Evan Almighty or Bruce Almighty? Yeah, like who, who really wants to have all those prayers going to you anyway? That sounds like a lot of stress to me, right? But here they are, they're tricked into doing this. And so what ends up happening as a result? Well, Daniel, it says in Daniel 6, that when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. They end up going and telling the king, and the king had already made this decree that he couldn't back down from. Even though he liked Daniel, he had to have Daniel thrown into the lion's den. 
the courage to kneel. Now, church, I'm not suggesting that you're probably going to get thrown in prison or into a lion's den for praying. But I am suggesting that it does take courage to get down on your knees every day and to pray for people day after day, year after year, decade after decade for the same people and to have courage that God can still move in their lives. To have courage that God can still act. Daniel showed the courage to kneel in spite of great opposition. In the 1940s, there was a couple by the name of Vincent and Margaret Crossett. They were missionaries in mainland China. And they were struggling against poverty and paganism in a remote village to tell others about Jesus. And their work was slow and painstaking. Yet after a lot of sacrifice, they finally started what we would just call a small group that they called a church by the late 1940s. It was young. It was a baby church. It wasn't well established yet. But during that time, the Cultural Revolution of 1948 and 49 began in China, and all foreign missionaries were forced to leave the country. The Crossets hated to leave. Their little flock of believers hardly seemed ready to stand the coming onslaught. An atheistic, dictatorial government dedicated to wiping out all Christian influence began its rule with ruthless power. How could the little church survive? The situation seemed impossible, and from the world's perspective, there was nothing that the Crossets could do. The church appeared destined for extinction, but the Crossets did not see as the world sees. They saw no reason to despair because through the eyes of faith, they saw a God who was faithful to those who honor Him. And so the Crossets continued to do their duty, even though they were no longer in China. Yes, the walls of China went up and the missionaries were closed out, but not their prayers. For nearly 40 years, the Crossets daily kept their prayer windows open towards China. They did their duty in the faith that God could triumph. Through an institution of sin, though an institution of sin had swept the land like a mighty river, the Crossets heard nothing and knew nothing of their friends for four decades but they still prayed every day for God to be victorious in the church they left behind. Finally, the walls of China came down again, and as the political climate changed, this land again opened to the west, and the Crossets returned, but when they returned to the little village, they did not find a little church. You see, the little church that they had started had now grown to 4,000 people. And not only that, but they had planted nearly a dozen churches in the area, all of which were over a thousand people each. All they did was pray. It was all they could do. But with their faith and duty, God triumphed. He turned back the flood of evil. He shut the lion's mouth. Church, the God of Daniel is alive and well. And he is ready to hear your prayers. The story of Daniel concludes. By the way, Daniel, when he was thrown in the lion's den, he was about 92 years old. It's pretty tough to outrun a lion when you're my age, let alone 92. Can you imagine? I think, you know, we have pictures of Daniel as this young, strong, handsome man, which he was at one point. 
you know, you better have like a picture of Daniel like in there with his cane or his walker or something like that, right? 92. And it says at the first light of dawn, the king who was on Daniel's side got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you continually serve been able to rescue you from the lions? I wonder if Daniel, just for dramatic effect, left a little pause in there. You know? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. However, those who came after him were thrown into the lion's den. It tells this part of the story in the non-kids versions of the Bible where the others were eaten quickly by the lions. Church, have the courage to stand. Have the courage to speak. Have the courage to kneel. But having courage is only half the story, isn't it? What good is courage if there's no one there to rescue us? So what I want to tell you today is this. Have the kind of courage that gets you thrown into fiery furnaces and into lion's dens. But that's only half the story. Have the type of God who gets you out. Have the God who Joseph got out of prison and made him a ruler. Have the God who the Israelites got the Israelites out of slavery and made them a nation. Have the God who got David out of trouble with both Goliath and Saul and made him the king. Have the God who got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace and made a pagan king praise God. Have the God who got Daniel out of the lion's den and made him prosper. Have the God who got the Jewish remnant out of exile and sent him back to their homeland. And most importantly, have the God who got Jesus, even though he was despised and rejected by his own people and murdered by the most powerful army in the world, even though he was abandoned by his closest friends, even though he was crucified, dead, and buried. Have the God who on Sunday morning got him out of the grave and exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, you can have the courage that gets you thrown into fiery furnaces and lion's dens, and yes, even graves. Because the same God who came and got Jesus out of the grave will come and get you out too. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these stories of courage. I thank you for those four guys who were living in a pagan land, Lord, much like it feels like we're living in more and more of a pagan land. I thank you that they had courage, the courage to stand, the courage to speak, 
the courage to kneel. Lord, we recognize they had that courage because they were believing in the one true God, you, the one true God who we also believe in. We recognize, Lord, that you have been laying on our hearts places where we need to stand, places where we need to speak, and places where we need to kneel. Lord, I pray that you would lay on our hearts, even as I pray, those places in each of our hearts. But Lord, may you not only lay on our hearts those names or those faces of the people who you long for us to reach, but Lord, may you also remind us that you are the God who gets us out, that you are the God who brings redemption, that you are the God who brings complete restoration to this whole world. How we long for that day, King Jesus. And so we look to you, Lord, the source of our courage. And we pray, Lord, that we would be known as men and women of courage. People who, in the face of such opposition, were willing to stand when we're called to stand. To speak when we're called to speak. To kneel when we need to kneel. And the wisdom to know the difference. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. As we conclude the service today, I want to let you know about several events coming up in the life of our church. First of all, on Sunday, January 31st, we will have our congregational meeting during both services. Uh, and this will just be a short meeting at the end of the services. It's a vision Sunday for us, so we'll be sharing a bit of vision and celebrating a bit of what God has done in the past year. But we'll also be affirming our elders and also uh, we'll be voting on new bylaws. Uh, and so we recognize that not all of you want to read through every line of the bylaws uh, unless you really have a case of insomnia, in which case you can find them on our website. Uh, they are very important, though. And so on Tuesday, uh, January 25th at 6.30 p.m., we'll be having a meeting here at the church for those who would like to go through our bylaws, our old bylaws, or our current ones, and our new bylaws to see the difference and to hear an explanation on the changes that are being made. You can also find them on our website if you'd like to read through them and compare them there. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. We'd be more than happy to answer them. Next, on February 6th, we have a meal pack here at the church. This is for Lifeline Christian Mission, uh, and uh, we do this every year. This is something that uh, is very exciting. Uh, we'll be packing about 20,000 meals this year, and they'll be going to help people in Haiti who have been in such great need this year. If you'd like to sign up to help out, you can sign up and you can bring your family with you as well. Uh, then go on our website under the events page and you can sign up there. We normally have a great crowd come and help out. It's normally a great evening. We want to invite you out. And finally, if you are new to East Point, if you are looking to connect and to learn more about uh, what East Point is all about, as well as to get a good free meal, uh, then you can come on February 13th. After second service, we'll have about an hour-long uh, meal and uh, just a question and answer session where you'll hear more about East Point from 1215 to 115. This is whether you're new or whether you're interested in joining our church. We would love to talk to you more. We would love to uh, hear your questions and to help you answer them. And if there's somebody that you'd like to invite and bring with you that you know needs this or would like to hear this, please feel free to invite them. You can also sign up for this at our website. Uh, finally, if you came today uh, prepared to give an offering, you can do so either online at eastpointchristian.com 
or in the buckets in the back of the room uh, and the side of the exit here, you can give there as well. Would you please stand and I will bless you as we prepare to go. May God bless you with the courage to stand, with the courage to speak, and the courage to kneel. May He do so through the leading of His Holy Spirit and through looking at the example of Christ Himself who was so willing to lay down His life for us. May He do so with the knowledge that Christ is returning for us and that every bit of energy that we expend for Him will be rewarded tenfold. God bless you. May you go to serve and to love.